And the show just is uh, all ready for you guys whenever you're ready. We can take it away. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Glass Half Sports. Today is August 12th, 2021. I hope you are having a good and much drier part of your morning than we were having in Minnesota. Uh, If you are from anywhere else in the country, thank you for joining us. I am one half of your hosting duties, Nicholas Huffman, and I hope you uh, are doing as well as Jose Barrios has been since being traded to the Blue Jays in 12 innings of one-run baseball, folks. We told you he was an ace and Mike was wrong. To my right, that would be that individual right there. Say what is up, and how are you doing today? How's it going, everybody? Uh, this is Mike Mensing, who's still going to be proven correctly on the Barrios trade. Yeah, probably not. Just wait. Probably not. Um, yeah, guys, if you like the sounds of these two voices right here and want to share it with the rest of your sports fanatics, you can find us on what platforms, Mike? Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, YouTube. And if you miss us on Thursdays, you can catch us on MCN 6 at 1 o'clock on Saturdays. That's right, folks. We are on basic cable. We have made it big time, I think. Like Wayne's World. That's right. We're going to be on cable. Yep. What do we got for the show today, Mike? Uh, Pretty big show. Uh, We're really ramping up to football season. Oh, yeah, it is. Through our predictions. That's going to be one big part of our our show today. Um, We have to talk about the best player for the Minnesota Wild. Possibly going back to Russia. Not possibly being a part of the Minnesota Wild anymore. Correct. Yep. Um, we have a cool segment today called Deal or No Deal. We're going back. Go, what's that? Throwback to the TV show. Right, exactly. Um, I got my ha- Howie Mandel haircut going. <laughs> we're going to go. Um, we're going to go through a few big contracts around the sports world and just see if those are good deals or not. Um, we're going to talk about the Vikings' first release of their depth chart. Yep. And whether or not that will stay what the it way is. it is, yeah. Uh, NFC West predictions, um, I believe. And then uh, we're going to talk about East. Uh, AFC a- a- West a- as well. Yeah, a- NFC and uh, AFC. Yep. So we're going to cover the West Coast in the NFL. Uh, and then the Michael Thomas drama will be our glass half topic of the day. Yeah, because that and is... And we brought a coin today. We did bring... A, it's right here, folks. Look, we are making... We are back on track on we're this prepared. show. We are prepared-ish. So uh, I guess... Unless you got anything you want to touch on from over the weekend, Mike, we can jump right into the wild making a mess of things as every Minnesota hockey? sports team does. Yeah, we're going to talk hockey. We're going to talk in hockey. August. Right. Yep, here we in go. August. Um, so it came out via a treat uh, tweet. Sorry, from Frank at Frank Cervelli uh, that Kirill Kaprizov has had kind of a verbal or tentative agreement with a club out in Moscow to return to international play of hockey because even though there have been reports that the Minnesota Wild have been eyeballing a seven- or eight-year contract, no offer has even been made. This is insane. Like, what do you, where do you think this is coming from? I think part of it is the Wild don't know what to do. Um, it's kind of the wait and make a decision, wait and make a decision, wait and make a decision, but they haven't made a decision. No. And Kirill is just like, all right, well, I'm not going to wait anymore. Yeah, I don't know how you can be in a place where you have the best player in hockey, and best young star in hockey for sure, and not one be, of the best players, and in not hockey. be in constant conversation with him about what his value is. Right. Right. So, if there's any truth behind the fact that there has not been an offer made, I do have a question that can take us back to our glass half segment from the buyouts. Do you think this has anything to do with the fact that the Wild? have not figured out how to put a contract on the table that is good for them both short or long term 
due to the two back-to-back years where we have $26 million in dead cap space, and they feel like even if they got him re-signed, they wouldn't be able to field the team around him? I mean, it's definitely possible. Um, it's it's $26 million of your cap that's eaten up from that move. From two guys that are never going to play, not going to be on the ice. Right. Um, you just have to find a way to field the team around this star. Right now. Maybe with young talent. You know, that's what I would be thinking is let's flip the roster over. Let's make them all young um, and develop. Yeah, or go like veteran minimum on. Right. On a, on, maybe on, on a, a few yeah. just for that leadership in the locker room. But um, I think what they need to do is try to resign them to like just honestly one to two, maybe a two to three year deal and reevaluate at that time. And I think Kirill would like that as well because he's going to play lights out during that time. And he'll get a bigger, yeah, he'll, he'll get a bigger, bigger contract. contract. I would agree with that. I think that is the answer, but it's just absolutely absurd to me that if there's any truth to a a um, deal not being offered to him at this point, how do you get away with that as as a, as a hockey franchise? How, how could you imagine if this would have happened with Patty Kane or Ovechkin or Sidney Crosby after their first deals? Well, of course, where, it doesn't happen there. That those. Because Those players oh, didn't play for Minnesota. But this is the fucking state of hockey, right, Mike? No, this is this is what I was talking about with this the buyouts. This is the state of ineptitude front offices. Inept <laughs> front offices. That's what it is. Very accurate. We're going to get Mike a t-shirt that says that. Um, but it's it just it's one of those things. Like when we were talking about the buyouts, when we were talking about what the Wild were going to do in free agency and how they they should approach this offseason, when I told you I didn't have any confidence in the front office, it was leading me to believe something like this was possible. This should never even be something that's on the table. Even if you had way over-offered or way under-offered to figure out where you at, you need to be at, at this point you should have made some form of public contractual you know, offer to a guy that could very well be the face of the franchise, or the face not only of your franchise, but the NHL within the next three to five years. I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. What are we doing wrong? I like I said when we very first started the segment, I think the wild don't know what to do, so they're doing nothing. That's just the Does that worst make sense? way to like they they don't know how to approach the situation, so they're just sitting on their hands to not fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Would be correct, right? It's just this is I don't know, man. And this this is this is going to hurt. This so is going to be one that'll turn does me he, away does from he play for the wild hockey. this winter. Do we figure it out? Do we find a way? Yeah, but I'm really afraid of what it's going to turn into. I'm going to say yeah, just because I'm a wild fan, and I hope to God that we can figure it out. Yeah, I just, I don't want to, you're seeing it. This is, it's now officially based on something like this, because there. I also saw another report. There have been a couple uh, uh, articles written around how Kaprizov's going to change the way NHL contracts are written for a long, long time. This is the player empowerment era. We talked about it when he won the Rookie of the Year award. You got to give this guy input. Roster moves, whatever it is that you got to do to make him feel as comfortable as humanly possible and get him to stay in-house, that's what you need to do. You just need to go to him with pretty much a blank check and say, what's it going to take? I mean, I agree. I agree totally. If you want to be competitive in this league, you have to basically start... With a star. Empowering your players. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, because the bond that they're going to have with the players that they can then bring in when you give them that kind of power has evidently worked in almost every other platform. So I would believe that it's going to work in the NHL as well because these guys train together and play together in the offseason when they're out doing other things. So it just makes more sense. Um, yeah, but I, I would like to I would like to see a two-year deal done with a player option for a third 
That'll give us the opportunity to see if we can move some of this dead cap money around, find a way to build a team over the next two years without it, and then maybe just offer him, you know, a ton of control, you know, after the two years are up, after he's willing, you know, if he's will, willing to stay through the cap penalties that we, we did or whatever. But this is very quickly going to turn us into the New Orleans Saints who are selling pieces left and right and having guys retire because they screwed themselves into cap purgatory. Right. And, and as great as Kaprizov was last year, it was one year. Yeah. Right? It's a small sample size, and that's why, personally, I would like to see a small contract. I don't necessarily want to commit to eight years to him with a massive contract right now. Well, As great be... as he was last year, that's an extremely small sample size. Well, I think it, if you're going to do the long-term deal, the only way it makes sense is if you do eight, but you set it up like a Patrick Mahomes deal where you backload the majority of the money. Sure. And then as he outperforms these contracts, you can kick cap space from back here up into signing bonuses and guaranteed money in the current. So that way you can always tip the scales a little bit. So yeah, maybe, you know, five or six million over the next two, three years. And then in year three, if he bump picks it, up, his, bump it up, then it goes to nine, you have, know, maybe have built-in benchmarks so if he scores x amount of goals or all has pro x teams points, all stars stanley you know, cups it, it won. increases the contract for absolutely. the next year absolutely that's what the type of deal that i think is what these guys are writing about it's gonna have to be something that is gonna allow us to not be strapped right by giving him max money now but letting him but know also that the money is there him, for him but all, yeah, exactly letting him play into the money right like you play well enough this contract is built in a way that if you play well enough, you will get paid now. Yeah. And then we'll figure out the back end later. Right. Yeah, no, right. I would, I would completely agree. Let us know what you guys think on what the Capriol Kaprizov deal is going to look like. If he's going to be him in, in Minnesota, or if we're going to have to watch him over in Moscow. That's what I was gonna say. Let us know if you think that he'll be wearing a wild sweater or not this winter. So, or if an offer is ever actually going to get made. There's something weird with the chat function right now, but Todd Mensing is saying pay him. So I wanted to shout that out. Yep. Todd, we are on your side. Yep. Pay that man. We agree. So, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a tricky it's a tricky situation. So, from one deal to a bunch of deals, we can get into our segment of the day, which is deal or no deal. Um, there's been a lot of money thrown around between the NBA and the NFL, particularly over the last two weeks. So, me and Mike wanted to take a look at some of these contracts and figure out for the top, like headline level stars, if the money was worth it or if the money was not, both for the player. And for the team. Um, so we can, as soon as Gabe gets that first tweet up, we can uh, launch into the first star, which is Kevin Durant. Decided to stay in Brooklyn for your extension. Roughly $198 million. Um, what, what are your thoughts, Mike? You think this was a good deal for Brooklyn, and was it the right deal for KD? I think Kevin Durant is probably the best basketball player in the world right now. Uh, you can drop the probably. Okay. Um, but he has a durability issue. Okay, that's fair. I want to say off the top of my head, the past three or four years, he's been severely injured three or four times. Been banged up. Um, so I'm guessing the comment that we just received there is from the, the Kirill yeah. contract as well. Todd Mensing said, make it incentive-based. Yeah, I that's exactly, agree. That's exactly what we were talking about as well. Um, the only thing about this contract, it's great for KD, mm -hmm. obviously. Um I think if he would have switched teams again, his legacy just continues to take a hit. I agree. Wearing different colors. Um, so it's good for him and his legacy. I think it's a decent move for the Nets. If he stays healthy, it's a great move. 
Yeah, I think no, I think at this point in his career, and I, I I hate to speak of a guy like this like he's on his last legs or whatever. I think Katie has plenty of basketball left in him because I would say he's over the peak though. He's oh, and but he's not the type of explosive of scorer that is going to deteriorate like a LeBron James or a Shaquille O'Neal. He's more or, of a pure shooter. Right. He's a he's a bucket getter. He's he's the slim reaper, right? Like he can do it all and he doesn't need to do it jumping over guys, right? So right. like at or this point in dudes. At this point in his career, I think this is the right move. It's going to give the Nets a centerpiece that they can build around as an as an established Mount Rushmore level veteran um, who's going to control the locker room. Right. Okay, uh, it, it's going to keep them in whatever winning window they want to be in for a while. Securing him long term may be able to calm Kyrie. It may be able to give you the give you the opportunity to see Harden take a little bit less money or some of these younger guys that would choose to. You know, maybe sometimes take the bigger deal when they know they're not on a winning team. They'll take the pay cuts, kind of like when you have Tom Brady in the building or a Peyton Manning in the building. Other than the fact that he has a little bit of a prickly personality, which I think has faded somewhat in the last two years. I haven't heard as much about it other than the stuff that he got into with Michael Rappaport on Twitter. Yeah. Um, this is the He's right move. a little move. bit of a weird dude. This is the right move because, I mean, he'll be, what, in his... Late 30s when this contract is over? Yep. I was going to say 36, but let me triple check that. I'm usually pretty good at doing this quick. So yeah. how old is he currently? Uh, let's see. Born in 88. Okay. So, so I mean. He's he's 33 right now. Yeah. So this will put him at Or 30. will be 33 in September. So this will make him 37 by the time the contract's up. He can go and probably get another like pretty decently sized three-year deal and extend here. Or he can go ring chase if he needs to on a smaller contract i think this is the, the or right if he move. wins a couple rings in brooklyn this could be his last one yeah if he if that's what he wanted it to be right and that seems to be the projection they are the odds on favorite to come out of the east next year even with some of the moves the moves that have been made so i think this gives flexibility to both sides it wasn't above the two we're going to get into a contract later that i think was absolutely fucking god awful okay um so but this was not that i agreed with this deal on both sides and i think the nets are going to come out on the back end of this contract, smelling like roses. I would agree. I think okay. this is a great move for both sides, as long as, especially if KD stays healthy. I agree. I agree. So who do we got next, Mike? Uh, Fred Warner, That's linebacker big. for the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, this is this is pretty big. Um, it looks like he's going to get five five year, $95 million contract extension at the time that he signed it, made him the highest paid inside linebacker in NFL history. He's got a very unique skill set, and I think – that this, that him and um, Nick Bosa are probably going to become what you know, um, like JJ Watt and who is that linebacker that they had in, in the Texans for a while when they were when their defense was really good, Whitney Merciless or who is the guy that Brian Cushing? Yep. So I oh, I very wow. much I see heard that name in a while. I very much see this being that platform. You take an edge rusher and an interior guy in your secondary, and then you find one other or in your in the middle of your defense and then they're probably going to find somebody in their secondary that they're going to want to pay eventually like they had been doing with Richard Sherman in the past and those are going to be the three staple pieces for your defense um he plays the pass extremely well he's good against the run he's extremely athletic it, even for an NFL linebacker i worry if he does sustain some form of injury um if we wind up like a Patrick Willis form situation who was the guy that retired early as a freak athlete at linebacker but he seems to be a little bit more durable, so I, I personally like the deal. How about you? Yeah, I I would agree with you. I think it's a good deal for both sides, again. Um, maybe a little high on the San Francisco side. 
um, if anything, maybe a little bit. Maybe. Um, but I think this contract will carry him through the age of 30. Okay. At that time, the Niners will be able to reevaluate, see Move how durable he was to. during that contract. Um, he's probably, in my opinion, a top five linebacker in the league right now. You could argue top three. You could. Um, almost. He's very similar to the guy that we have here in Minnesota, in my opinion. Maybe a little bit more physical, but that <laughs> athleticism that he he can run side sideline to sideline. He plays the pass extremely well. Yeah, um, he has good instincts. Not I afraid think, to stick his nose in there. If I mean, and if you're referring to Aaron Kendricks, I think the only difference between the two is I think Kendricks probably has the higher IQ. Warner's probably the better athlete, but it's they're very much the same. They're yeah. very well. They're good at what they need to be good at right. when they need to be they're, good at it. Honestly, the, both of these two guys that we've been talking about, Warner and Kendricks, ten years ago probably would have been safeties. Yeah, no, I would agree you with know that. What I mean, downhill um, Bob Sanders type safeties. Yep. Yep. But just the NFL is changing and becoming more pass-heavy. So now these are the freak athletes that we're starting to see in the middle, you know, at three yards off the line of scrimmage. It's pretty insane. No, I, yeah, and that's and they and you can drop them back to play safety. Right. You can bring them up and roll them over the edge and have them pass rush a lot of these guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just there's so many different places to put them that you almost have to. It, it reminds me of like what Christian McCaffrey got for his deal. You can't just pay him as a running back. You have to pay him as a running back and a receiver. You got to pay Fred Warner as a inside linebacker, a run stopper, a pass defender, a potential safety, the play caller of your defense. So there's a lot that goes into a contract like this. So I would, I think you might be right on it being 95 may have been a tad high. for. I like it. I don't love it because I know that they're going to have some big names that they're going to have to resign at some point, but this also might be an indicator that Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to last more than this year either, because if he comes off their salary cap, you could, Oh, Kinda. I think that's that plan is already in the works. When yeah. they took Trey Lance, that yep. plan was already in the works. So, um, yeah, so that's Fred Warner after that. Next, let's talk about the dude who almost led Slovenia to a gold medal. Yeah. And was I, he like 17 and 1 in his Olympic <laughs> Games with them? Uh, Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic, yeah. Five years, $207 million with the Dallas Mavericks. Um, this one was odd to me. Okay. The only reason why I think this one was odd is because before this contract had gotten signed, there was a lot of there was a lot of smoke coming out of the Dallas Maverick camp on how cohesive Luca was with the remainder of the roster and his coaching frustrated. staff and his and Cuban in the front office. So I wonder if this is hey, let's give him as much money as we can to try to shut him up and then kind of give him the keys to the franchise because we have to pretty much make sure that we don't LeBron ourselves right out of the young youngest superstar in basketball right now. Um, but the coaching situation isn't set up well. Kristaps Porzingis is a bad contract um, to have he, on your books. He's never hit what he was supposed to either. Exactly. And, and so I don't know if this is going to seem like a bad deal if Dallas makes it a bad deal. Now you just got to steer into the skid. I think this is a great deal. Wow. Why? Because they had no other option. Like you said, he's a top five talent. He's 22 years old. You're the only team that's able to offer him the Supermax extension with how the NBA works. Mm -hmm. You had to. So you're telling me. You had to. Situations are situational. And when you may have a, you may have a pig that you think is a dog. Is, what analogy did you use with me on Jose so Barrios? You're really you comparing Jose Barrios right now and his talent level compared to the MLB and Luka Doncic my and his point, talent level compared to the NBA. My, my point was... You can't sit back and say, 
Well, you had to for one guy and not give the same respect to another one, especially when we the didn't other one have didn't have to. a salary cap. We didn't have to. Okay. To Jose. We'll stay on Luca. No. Jose Barrios, is he a top 10 pitcher? In, no, let's talk about this now. If you're going to bring it up, is he even a top 10 pitcher in the league? Over the last two starts, he is. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That's about it. Luca's t- easily top five in the NBA, is he not? I agree. Okay. And I think, and the other part that goes into this too is I want to see him take better care of his body. Like that has been well documented over the last two seasons when he gets into the playoffs and he plays kind of like what you what's, what you saw happen to Michael Jordan early in his career. He'd get into the playoffs and then these teams play physical defense around him and he gets beat up and then it's hard for him to close series out. So I hope that him literally just having to backpack his Olympic team and do the most and know he doesn't have room to get banged up or whatever. He's just got to go out and get it. If that translates into what they see in Dallas, give him the keys and this will be a great contract. If the same thing continues to repeat itself where he does not have an MVP yet, he does not, I don't think he has a scoring title up to this point in his career and they continually fall short both in the regular seasons for their seeding and the postseasons as to when they get bounced, then this is a bad deal. How did the Mavericks win their title? With one guy. Was it one guy? Dirk Nowitzki. Or was it one guy and then they built around him role players? That's true because they had like Sean Marion and there was there were guys on that staff. I just but my worry is there have already been rumblings out there about him not being the best team player. Kristaps Porzingis made mention to that. You know, you it, and it's I something think, you have to I pay mean, attention to. The guy's in his young twenties. Yeah, he doesn't take care of his body because he's in his young twenties. He's probably not the greatest, greatest teammate because he's what is he twenty four. Yeah, he's the like, well, he's the youngest guy to get 200 plus. Yeah. Just wait. He will mature. He'll fall into his role as the leader of the team, I think. Especially like what I would do if I was the Mavs right now is look how how can we move Porzingis right now? Yeah. Cuz like you said, that's a bad contract. They're paying him way too much for too little output. Mm. Um he's never truly reached his potential in my opinion. Bring in two three role players that can fill that void. Yeah. You know, a team let that's Luka deep. truly shine. Like, this isn't a one-two show. This is a one show. Right. And that's what I mean. Like, if, if he comes in and he's got the right mindset, you just need to hand him the keys. Yeah. So, um, then we've got – this is this should be fun for you. This is a little bit of quarterback talk. We yeah. can go to uh, Josh Allen and the soon-to-be Austin Bills because I think Buffalo is going to – if you haven't heard the rumors – Buffalo said that if they don't get a new stadium, they are at and they are going to Austin. Yeah, but how often do we hear that? Well, you know, Jim Irsay flew over some random spaces at one point and apparently stirred up a bunch of stuff. And the Bears might be moving to Arlington. And Minnesota was going to leave at one point, but you know how this dance goes. Exactly. Right? But, hey, the Bills got their quarterback for the next six years in the middle of what looks like a the right time to make this deal. Um, and especially I think the bills did it right. Cause they got the deal done before Lamar, before Baker, they got the deal done before the, uh, some of the other quarterbacks outside of, um, Patrick Mahomes and probably saved themselves quite a bit of money in doing so because this guy does not have an MVP. Lamar Jackson doesn't. If Lamar Jackson would have gotten his deal and then Allen wins one this year and you know, the situation flips, they could be looking at instead of two fifty eight, they could be looking at 
close to close to three hundred million dollars. You know what I mean? So I think this was the right move on both sides. I don't think this hamstrings them too terribly uh, cap wise, as you've seen in the NFL right now with a lot of the cap gymnastics that can be done kicking, moving stuff up or kicking it back or whatever you need to do with cap space and the roster that they have. And they have 110%, like we said with Luca, just built around him. Great deal for me. This would be, I think, the highest graded one out of all the ones that we are going through today, in my opinion. How about you? Um, It's definitely up there. Uh, it's one of the better deals. I would honestly say the Fred Warner deal is probably the best deal. Okay. Um, But the Josh Allen deal is a great deal for both sides. Allen's going to get paid I want, uh, Gabe, Gabe says, I wonder if they overpaid to help their leverage in an Austin deal. That's, I mean, maybe not unheard of. Yeah. Right. If I would not, I mean, honestly, though, I would not want to be a quarterback in Texas anytime soon with Dak now. His arm's going to fall off and Deshaun Watson's case is popping up out of nowhere. I mean, but so. if you're Josh Allen, you'd rather play in Buffalo, New York in the snow than in Austin? <laughs> no, I was just, it was okay. a joke, Michael. It, it wasn't funny. You're not, <laughs> but no, this is a great deal. Uh, the reason the Bills are who they are the past couple of years is because of Josh Allen. Um, they have a decent running game that can support him. They brought in Stefan Diggs to be his weapon. Like, Did they bring in a back? Uh, yes, but I can't think of the name off the top of my head right now. Okay, keep going. Um, they were giving the keys to Josh Allen before they gave him the keys, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. They were laying out the red carpet, they were getting him ready. Um, providing weapons around him this team will be good for six years six years yeah um i don't see another team in the afc east maybe the dolphins making a push but this bills team is good man uh yeah i mean the bills team is is good i just i don't know if the dolphins are gonna be the ones to make a push if two is their quarterback but that rita in buffalo last year no so they that might be him. Rita, who's That's a good really move. fast Adrian Peterson would be a good fit for there. Downhill back. They got play Devin. Action. See, they like they like more Scat slender, back. yeah, speed. Yeah. So they have Devin Singletary, Matt Breida, and Taiwan Jones are like the three that I know. Off okay. Top of my head. Okay. But yeah, no, this is a good deal. I like this. You ready to get to the worst contract on this entire list? I would have to agree with you. Unfortunately, this is very reminiscent of when, and I love Kobe. Rest in peace to the Mamba. All the respect for everything that he did for basketball and for the city of L.A. when they could have been very bad for a very long time and he made sure that they weren't. But there was a point in time where you looked at the Kobe contract and went, they're not winning because he's making too much money. Well, this is the Joe Maurer deal. Basically. This is, And guess what? They just did the same thing to Steph Curry. Please, please, please do not leave. We will give you everything we have left in the bank. We understand that we're not going to be able to duplicate another title run here anytime soon. So let's just pay you so really? you don't leave. You're going to flat out say that they can't do I anything. There is, something, there is something going on in Golden State that doesn't make sense to me. There, I understand that Curry like carried that team, but Draymond is getting older. I don't think Wiseman is a good fit. Klay Thompson might actually just want to become a number one at some point on a team where he knows he can go with. There's just... This type of, and then what, what worried me, not so much was the contract, but was the statement made after the contract where Steph came out and somebody had asked him, you know, do you trust in the organization? Like it was a canned question and he had a canned response for it. Sure. He is not, something is going on 
And I'm gonna watch this very closely because I believe where, like I say, there's where there's smoke, there's fire. And this is gonna be a very, very bad deal for the Warriors. And I think part of the reason why they did it subconsciously is because this will also be a very hard contract to unload when it does fall apart because his cap hit will be too high for the age that he's at, knowing he's injury prone. I do not like this deal for Steph Curry or the Warriors because this could end very badly. I like it for Steph Curry because the man's going to get paid. Right? Yeah. Um, Warriors-wise, you have a very shrinking winning window. Yeah. Clay, Steph, and Draymond are all over 30. Yep. Um, you brought in Wiseman, who had an injury-riddled rookie season. Yep. He showed flashes. He showed flashes where he could develop into a good five for them. They yeah. don't need a five that shoots. They need a rebounder. They need a big and a paint presence defender down low, right? Um, you know, bringing in Jonathan Kaminga this draft could supplement as well. This team has so much firepower because of the way that they play. When you live and die by the three, you will live and die by, by the, the three. three. Yep. Um, and last year obviously didn't work for them because Steph was hurt majority of the year. Um, and that's because of his workload, I think. You know what I mean? Like, when Clay's not out there, who is the other scorer? We all know what Andrew Wiggins is. Right. Not a bucket getter. Kelly Oubre, underperforming, and I believe will be gone at this year's trade deadline. See, the only thing is, like, when you have a team like that that can put up 18, 21 points in seven possessions, you know, six, seven possessions, just back to back to back to yeah. back to back, that's deadly. And watch them get hot. If this that's the thing is, if, if they get hot, they could win a ring, period. True. Absolutely. This team is never out of it, and especially with Steve Kerr at head coach, right? But my question is, if Steph doesn't win one and KD does, does that change the way you looked at those Warriors teams? No, Even because more. KD has Kyrie and James Harden. No, no, no. I'm just saying for when KD was in Golden State, everybody was like, nah, it's, Steph, it's Steph's team, but he's just taking the step back for Durant. And they, Golden State struggled with LeBron. If Steph doesn't get another win, another title, or even another NBA Finals appearance, which I think is the most likely scenario where he doesn't even get back, and KD gets one in the East or two because he... I don't think it reflects, though, because KD went and joined another super team. No, he built that super team. He was one of the first ones to be in Brooklyn. Now, that may not matter, but that makes me look at the, the team that took out LeBron, the team that won when he was there, and when he won two back-to-back, -back, you know, finals MVPs and go, okay, no, KD was the one, both in the locker room and on the floor, and Steph was the two. That That's what that tells me. I mean, me. that team went 73-9 and nine without KD, though. And then what happened? Steph started getting hurt, and it wasn't sustainable. That's the that's it's not necessarily a reflection on Steph as it is a reflection on their style of play. LeBron has seven rings if KD doesn't go to Golden State. But Golden State's style of play is again living and dying by the three. True. So if Steph has a bad game or three, they're knocked out of the playoffs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So he has to be hot at all times. And that's that's why this is almost a good move for the Warriors. They pay a little bit too much. I will say that. A lot too much. But when Steph Curry is hot, he's one of the best basketball players in the league. Yeah. Like, when he's hot, you can give him the ball possession after possession after possession and let him just rack up points. I agree. 
I agree. I think this year is going to be very interesting to see, and especially now that he has this deal. If Dame goes out and outperforms him this year and Portland doesn't play well, what kind of money? Like, this is going to dictate heavily what Dame gets, whatever team he goes to. Isn't Steph one of the easiest players in the NBA to build around? I think he's got a great like I think he's got great basketball IQ. I would say yes and no because they are just so three point shot heavy. Um, you better either have other three point shooters around him, or Wiseman better start stepping it up as a big physical presence that can get those offensive rebounds and give him extra shots. opportunities. Yep. Yep. It's just I think it's too much. You have to step to handle on his own. Yeah. You can't do that in the NBA. It's so, not possible. Can't so, so, sorry, can I butt in here real yeah, quick? Yeah, I'm, I'm just curious. So, you know, I'm not the NBA genius here, but to me, he stretches the floor. Yep, he yep. can shoot from fucking anywhere. Yep. If you want to get a big, if you want to, you know, truly to me, that's where I see it is like, you can actually get young talent in and see what develops and he can grow with that person. I, I guess I don't know who he'd collide with or have issues with. I don't think it's an issues thing. The way that I see it is you can build a team one of two ways. You can so Steph is Steph and you can build around Steph and let him do what he does best, which is what I think what they did when they brought KD in when Clay was younger. See. They had a defensive presence or you can do what they're doing now and you can use Steph's abilities to band-aid other players' offensive deficiencies. And I think that is why, since KD has departed, the Warriors have struggled. They are not using Steph to the fullest of his capabilities. They're saying, hey, I need you to step up and cover four I mean, A, B, C, D. But since KD left, didn't how many years has KD even gone? Two. Two? Didn't Clay get hurt in the first year and then Steph the second year? Well, They yes. haven't been healthy. Well, why do you KD think that left? is? Because they got the injuries happen. Like, the, I, I don't think you can blame every single injury ever on durability of the player. My, it's different. Sometimes when you, it's a freak accident. I agree, but more oftentimes than not, even freak accidents like Kawhi's knee, Kawhi's got had bad knees in the past. He's more susceptible to that. Steph is more likely to miss time with an ankle problem. When he's got to spend more time in the lane, more time in the pick and roll instead of just a spot-up shooter and a distributor. So you have to keep those things in mind when you build a roster around a guy like this instead of doing what they're doing now. See, the other point I was going to make is as great of a shooter as Steph is, I would say he's more of a on-ball shooter. Like he needs the ball in his hands to create the space for himself. Yeah, He's not a great catch-and-shoot shooter. Um, so you can't really combine him with someone who can really attack the lane hard, like Wiggins. first name that comes Oubre. to mind. Yeah, Wiggins. Um, the the drive and kick to Steph is not as successful as it should be, and that's where Clay Thompson comes in, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think this is a good move. Again, it's almost because Golden State was kind of handcuffed again. Like, what are you going to do? Let him go? And then he comes back and beats you, and then you're just in the gutter? Like, you have to... There was no one else that they were going to get that could fill that void. Yeah. Right? They were kind of handcuffed into that deal. No, I agree. And, and Steph it, could perform well absolutely. and make them look like he could. He could have earned every dollar. But it's all about, for me, what's it going to look like as he's earning that money? Is he earning that money keeping them relevant? Or is he earning that money helping that organization win championships? Right. There's two different ways to look at that. Right. All right. We got to move on. We got to move on to the Vikings. First official depth chart has dropped uh, ahead of the Broncos game at 3 p.m. at U.S. Bank Stadium this Saturday. Um, 
obviously Zim has touched on how he's going to spread out uh, the time for his vets, his rookies, his starters, his second stringers. Um, and there are a few things that jump out at you right away when you're looking at some of the position battles. And me and Mike wanted to walk through them with you and let you know if it's a cause for concern for some yeah, guys. We might run is, through them. Yeah, we're going to run, run through them. Um, but uh, we can start with the offensive line. Wyatt Davis, guard from Ohio State, listed third on the depth chart. I don't hate it. Guard. I don't hate it. Um, you know, he's basically just has rookie camp and a few weeks of OTAs and then, you know, training camp as well. Um, he will not be third string for long. I don't think so either. I think the most likely situation is that he starts the season as a second stringer, I would agree. as our swing guard. Um, and I think you his... just can't convince me that Dakota Dozier is better than this guy. Yeah, my point exactly. Um, you know, and it, it, it's it's weird because it's ever yeah, it's Ezra Cleveland right now. It's Ali Udo, who by the way I hear is having a phenomenal camp. They are super high on him. He better because I'm not. I've never been too impressed with him. So. Um, but yeah, I could very easily see him being like a swing guard or, you know, even if somebody like Bradbury were to go go down, Wyatt Davis, a size guy, you know, a space eater at center wouldn't be a bad. So I think he's just going to sit with who, your your second best interior lineman that isn't a starter right? Um, by the time the season starts. But it's going to be very important to watch the preseason um, because he's going to get a lot of reps. So you're going to be able to see what it looks like for him to play three quarters. Too, right? yeah. Like starters play a drive or two. Like maybe Zim wants to just see him in action more, so he slides him down the depth chart. Yep, we could do that. That's very possible. You know, so. Um, so we've got that one. We've got Christian Darasaw as the second string left tackle instead of our Not starter. Not too surprised. Um, Rashad Hill is just that veteran presence. Has done this, been around the block before. He's been with the Vikes for a long time. He's also been with the Vikings for a long time. He knows the system. Yep. Um, he is coming off an injury, a groin injury or whatever from before rookie camp yep so Rashad Hill will probably start through week four or five and then I wouldn't be too shocked to see Darisaw take over so you think he's going to get we're going to get the traditional Zimmer first round pick rookie treatment yep swing lineman nice way to say not good enough at either spot <laughs> thank you Tevin Pittman um nah it's just a I think he needs reps Right, I really do just well, think that's what a guy. It like also Wyatt shows Davis his needs. versatility, right? Like if you can play left and right, I don't know if he can play center. He said he had played center, I think, his freshman year. Okay, so he has some experience, but playing center in the NFL is a lot different. It is, you know, and you got Aaron Donald lining up straight across from you. You got to take a shotgun snap and then a bucket step and go pull. It's <laughs> like, uh, damn, yeah, no, oops. that's tough. But I think the Darisaw thing, yeah, um, is us being cautious because of the injury, for sure. And then, and, getting I mean, the we have a good preseason. veteran presence at left tackle. That's Rashad Hill is definitely not a world beater at yeah. left tackle, but he's sufficient. Yeah, I just, I think, I wonder if any of it comes down to who's going to make Kirk most comfortable. Who cares right now? You know what I mean? Because that's really what it should come down to. If as much as I like Kirk Cousins as a person, like I think he's a great dude. Fucking hate him as a football player, man. Yeah. Like I don't care what makes him most comfortable in the pocket because we know that at the first sign of pressure, he's just going to sit. Yeah, it's very true. So I don't really care what he's thinking. So no concern for Darisaw? No. No. I'm not, I'm not like, is his career in jeopardy because he's the second string left tackle going into the first preseason game? No. 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 Um, this was a surprise to me, and I have heard 
over and over and over again. And we're actually, I'm going to try. And if anybody's watching this that knows beat writers for, for the Vikes, come on the show because I want to know what you're seeing. Ali Udo's name keeps popping up in a lot of the Vikings reports that I've been hearing as a guy who has taken the step, you know, moving into, you know, his third season now. We drafted him as a tackle. We're kind of giving him the Ezra Cleveland treatment. This guy is six foot six and can move. Are we going to wind up with like an offensive line similar to when Phil Lodholt was here and all of our linemen are just above 6'6 inside and out and you're going to lose Dalvin Cook in the backfield? And The only reason I'm not going to be a huge fan of that large of a line is because of the scheme that we run. So when we had that offensive line with Phil Lodholt, we were very much a power downhill team with AP in the backfield. Yeah. Uh, with Dalvin in the backfield, we're very much a side-to-side -side zone right. read team. Um, and with that, you need linemen that can move. So like you said, Udo can move. But I think that the overall trend of our offensive line needs to be 6'2", 6'3", and can really, really, really move. Do you think another part of this is because of the issues that we have in pass protection against teams like the Bears and the Packers with such size head up on our guards? That is something that I had with whether it was Pat Elfline or any of the guards that we've really had over the last four or five seasons. It's like you walk into Chicago and you go, oh, the Vikings should walk away with a two-touchdown victory here easily based Akeem on who Hicks we got. Is... And then Akeem Hicks ruins the entire yeah. game. I don't think I, – I definitely think that that plays a part in it. Um, I also am not super surprised to see them bolster around Bradbury. Bradbury struggles in the pass protection. Yeah, he does. Um, severely. So a little bit of size on each side, basically both former tackles. Yeah. Um, I don't think that that's an accident. I also think that that's, that bodes well for what you're talking about with that lateral quickness. Tackles in general usually have a little bit quicker feet. So to see two tackles slide down to the inside of the, of, you know, the line. And I also think that's why it would make sense to slide Wyatt Davis, formerly a guard who's supposed to have pulling speed down to center. It's just whether or not he can snap under that <laughs> type of pressure. Exactly. Um, so yeah, no, I, I think that is a, an interesting move. I want to, I'm going to pay very close attention because he's going to be out there with the ones, which would tell me you'd think some of the the Broncos starters are going to be out there. There are a lot of position battles going right there, or, or defense is going to be out there. Then that team's, you know, they got Von Miller coming back, apparently. Chubb off, another ACL surgery. You might see him play, you might not, but that defense have got, has got some guys, and they're pretty consistent as far as their pass rush goes, so it'll be good to see Ali Udo out there and see what his output can be against frontline guys. The one thing I'm not a huge fan of in the preseason is we, like, all these joint practices, like, yeah. before the, like, we just had a joint practice with the Broncos, Yeah, and now we're about to play the Broncos. Yeah. Like, I mean, give your rookies a shot. Don't show everything. Yeah, I know, right? Practice. I don't know. I got you. Uh, KJ Osborne as the three receiver. Plus, plus. He's another guy that the media just doesn't shut up about. Apparently has really developed in between, you know, years one and two. Um, or is it two and three? It's one and two. Um, and if that it speaks volumes because you there are guys in that in that locker room that have been there for a long. BB, um, Ola BC Johnson, DD Westbrook is on the BC's, roster. BC's hurt. Right. I mean, but even still, the depth chart is telling, right? This tells you that when he's getting his reps with the ones, he's a difference maker. Does Osborne start week one, though? Yes. I think he actually starts until, um, was it Smith uh, Marquette or whatever, is ready yeah, to Amir take Smith over that. I think he starts until that guy's ready. 
So you don't see D.D. Westbrook. Like, I think he's a spot player as somebody who you will see spell Thieland or Jefferson more frequently than you would see him as a slot player. See, I would like to see to Didi start on the, the outside. To start the season. I would like to see Didi on the outside with Jefferson and Thielen in the slot. And that would work too. But I think if you're moving Thielen into the slot, then it's – so it's going to be one of these things where – and Didi's not healthy either, right? So – or yeah, Didi Westbrook isn't healthy yet either. So this will allow you to bring D.D. Westbrook along slowly, not risk injury. It does give you the opportunity to allow him to focus specifically on special teams during his rehab, and then he can fold into this offensive system um, slowly instead of having to worry about making any mistakes. Osborne was obviously in this system last year, so you could even make an argument that he has a better grip of the playbook than D.D. Westbrook would have at this point, even with the connection to um, the wide receivers coach that we have. So... I like the move. Um, it does not surprise me, and I think this is probably where it's gonna where it's gonna stay for the time being. Okay. What about you? Like I said, I would probably expect. What I, I I was expecting Westbrook to be our third receiver when he was signed, so I'm gonna stick with that until I see something that changes my mind. That could be this Saturday. Yeah. You know, but nothing has changed my mind yet. Okay. So who's next? Uh, Harrison Hand. Is sitting at the third string corner position. So if Gabe would be nice enough to switch over to defense, it'd be cool on the screen here. This one surprised me as well. We heard all offseason about how much better he had gotten. And he came on very, very strong at the end of last season, along with Cam Dantzler. I just don't see who he would knock out of the depth chart, though. Like you got Patty P and Bashad Breland. Starting at corner. Yeah. Your nickel guy right now is probably Mackenzie Alexander. Yeah. You go dime, you bring in Dantzler. Yeah, this Who's is... he knocking out of that depth chart? I think he could spell Alexander. That's where, that's the only, and unfortunately, I think that's the only place he makes the field at, right? Is as the nickel guy. I think guy Alexander's just getting better. I know. As well. So that's the thing. It's like, I'm not too surprised at this. Um, that's kind of where I thought Harrison Hand would kind of sit his whole career when we drafted him in, what, the fifth or sixth round? Yeah. Um, this room's got depth. I mean, we went and got veteran corners, too, that just slid him down the depth chart further. So he's not going to hop Patty P. Or Brashad Breeland. No. So who, I, by the way, I'm both not, have been lights out at I'm camp. not too surprised by this. So. Yeah. I, mean, I also think that this that he is going to be the X factor, you know, if we have an injury. He's right. going to be the guy that if you say he's taking the steps that he has taken and you can just remind him to stay ready with a guy, Breland is coming off an injury. Um, Mackenzie Alexander was banged up when he was here. Cam Dantzler has a thinner frame. Pat P is older. Harrison Hand is really just going to have to come into every single week of the season with a next man up mentality. And if anybody goes down, which Dantzler is even prone to doing, getting shaken up pretty consistently, is be the guy, I'm going to step in and I'm going to play my ass off. Right. And then I'm going to earn another down. That's the that's the mentality he's gonna have to have now, but I hope the I hope that it works out for him. I really do because I think he's gonna be a guy that, when given opportunities, if he performs, will be a Viking for a very long time. I would agree. I'm excited to watch the Vikings on Saturday. Me too. See some new names like that guy right there. Yep, Xavier Woods. All right, let's uh, run through the NFC and AFC West predictions here. So we're gonna be doing a prediction the next four weeks of the pre or yeah. Four weeks of the preseason? Yeah. Well, there's only three weeks of preseason, but... Oh, yeah. Well, we're starting before, though. Yeah. So it's... We'll our, be our last prediction will be going into week one, yep. along with our week one predictions. Correct. 
So we're going to start with the West, the AFC and NFC West. Let's start in the AFC. Um, Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, let's start with the Raiders. Um, so I took the under on them when I was in Vegas, but they were at eight. Okay. Um, so FanDuel's got them at six and a half. This is a bad football team, and it's Gruden's fault. It is 100% Gruden's fault. Carr came out today, said he wanted to play quarterback until he's 45, and everybody was giving him shit for it. The unfortunate truth is Carr's been doing his job. John Gruden has not bought in on Derek Carr, and that system is not built around him as a successful quarterback. Oh, John Gruden never really has had a quarterback-built system. Right? right. It's always this West Coast power, play action, play good defense. He's a very... Spider 2 eye banana. Exactly. Um, he's a very, what's the word I'm looking for, traditional football coach. Stubborn. Stubborn in his in setting his ways. Yeah. Um, so I've got them splitting all of their division games, just trying to be because they're they seem to be the team that early in the season consistently always wins ball games that they shouldn't and then loses ball games that they shouldn't. So I'll give them the division split, especially considering that they almost knocked the Chiefs out twice last year. Um so I've got them splitting division games and then what they get wins against Bengals, Eagles, and Steelers. Bad, bad, bad football teams where their defense is just going to be better than the offense that they're playing against, 6-11. and 11, And this team will only get to that mark if Josh Jacobs runs for 1,500, 1,700 yards and 10 touchdowns. This team will go as he goes, and that's going to be about it. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Josh Jacobs hit that 1,500-yard mark, especially with 17 games. Um, I think Derek Carr has a good season, getting more comfortable in the Gruden system. Yep. I'm gonna have to agree with you, but I'll go seven and ten. Seven and ten. Yeah. Okay. I don't think they're necessarily a bad football team. They're kind of the definition of a mediocre football team. Yeah. No, I agree. Like they could beat a good team any given Sunday. And they could also lose to a really bad team. Yeah. And th that's just and with all the people that they've had retiring and leaving and all of a sudden frantically over the last like month, their president retired. Um, after just getting them into Vegas, there's some weird stuff going on in with the Vegas Raiders. Yep. So uh, we can move on to the Denver Broncos next. If you want to go ahead and kick that one off. Well, I see your note here, and I think you're 100% correct. This team, first of all, they need to find an identity. Yeah, badly. They, Jerry Judy they needs to be a part of it. Don't have an identity right now. Yeah. When they when they, even when they had Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning wasn't their identity. Oh. Their identity was that defense. Yeah. Um, and that defense is old. Yeah, and, and getting old can't perform. And now they've and got a very not, expensive like, safety. I I've never been too high on Bradley Chubb. I think when, but the best ability is availability, and he doesn't have that. Right. And I don't know. I I would see that this team actually probably finishes last in the AFC West this year. I'm gonna go five and twelve. Five and twelve. Okay, I've got them at seven and ten. They're going to beat the Bengals, the Raiders, the Lions, the Eagles, the Steelers, the Jets, and the Jaguars. You see them beating the Steelers. We are going to when we cover them, we're going to talk about it. The Steelers, I think, are going to be one of the worst teams in football this year, and it's going oh, to lead wow. to the dismissal of Mike Tomlin. He hasn't missed the playoffs once. This year will be the year it falls apart. All right, we might have to bet on that one. So, um, yeah, so seven and ten for them. Drew Locke needs to step up if they make him the starter, and they need to use Teddy as a trade piece. Or Teddy needs to be the most efficient game manager, throwing very similar like, to what he okay, did with the Saints. Perfect. You have a game managing quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater, but you don't have like what's the running back situation? Like? Melvin Gordon. Okay. Jerry Judy. Not Sutton. like Melvin Gordon. No offense. Is Melvin Gordon the Melvin Gordon that we thought he was in 
San Diego slash Los Angeles, though? No, but he's serviceable. So you have a serviceable running back with a and serviceable a game managing quarterback, and then a wep, then and a an and absolute, one weapon at receiver. I think no offense, vastly underrated at uh, tight end as well. This is a bad football team. Okay, all right. Uh, let's get into next. We've got the Los Angeles Chargers, possibly on the, the selling block uh, here within the next right. year or two. Um, they've got them at a nine. Over unders nine and a half. Mike, what do you got? Over. Over. I'm gonna okay. go ten and seven. Okay. Possibly wild card berth. Okay. Um, I think that Herbert, as much as I thought Justin Jefferson deserved the rookie of the year last year, Herbert will just continue. I don't think he'll have a sophomore slump. Okay. I don't think he will. Um, I think he'll just continue to get better. I think uh like you said in our notes here, um, you know, Derwin needs to return to form, and Bosa stays healthy, that defense could be very, very good. Okay. It's basically on Herbert's shoulders. I agree. And for that reason, new city, new coach, new system, inconsistent health on defense, trouble in the at the ownership level on whether or not this team will, even, afford, yeah. will continue to operate as such under the same ownership, he will... Lift them to a nine and eight record. Okay. I have them just slightly on the under because that's a lot of new, new, new. And the teams around the NFL are now going to have a full season of tape on him. So there are going to be games where he steps back. I don't think he's going to slump his way all the way through the year, but I think there are going to be, there were opportunities for him last year when even good defenses didn't know what he was going to do, where he got away with some stuff. Those better defenses are going to be prepared for that this year. And so those are those opportunities are going to be limited, and that's what ha- has me as the uh, has me having them as a nine and eight football team. All right, okay. So mediocre, mediocre, middle of the road. Okay. Well, let's take a look at one of the best teams in the NFL. Yeah, the Would best you agree team with that? in the NFL. They're the best team in the NFL. You think? Very close, if All not, right. it is if not that. Yeah. Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> beating the Browns, the Chargers twice, the Eagles, the Washington Football Team, the Giants, the Raiders Here, twice. Stop. Who do you have beating them? Four teams. Do you remember any of them? I'd have to go I back. Know you and went look through at the schedule. schedule. Yeah. So we both kind of went through the schedule and just kind of counted up our wins and losses. Yeah. Um. I think one of them was the Green Bay. Okay. You know what I mean? Like could beat them. You know what I mean? Like I was just looking at teams on the schedule where you're like, ah, yeah. We well, have the Vikings team. beating them then. Or was that preseason? That was preseason. Oh. Yeah, that was preseason. But I think like they struggle with Baltimore. They struggle with Green Bay. They struggle with. They don't play a lot of games. Like the Browns, I think, are going to be a massive game for them this year where they could get a loss. Like, I just think there's four opportunities in there for them to lose football games is really all I'm saying at this point. Their defense isn't improved as much as I would have liked to but see But that it offensive line has gotten immensely better. True, but that wasn't the only issue. Like, Tampa Bay could score pretty much at will in that Super Bowl. Yeah, They but- took 10 minutes, milked the clock, touchdown. I agree. Mahomes, but now you've had basically 10 minutes of game time, which is damn near an hour sitting on your ass. Like, come on and try to do something crazy now. I agree. But I mean, do you remember the old Campbell's chunky chicken noodle soup commercials where Donovan McNabb was scrambling for his life with his mom on the sideline and it had it lasted like three minutes and then he got the ball off. That's what you're going to see this year from Patrick Mahomes. The, the offensive line has improved enough to where now when he's making 
like when he can move the pocket and be mobile, it's not going to be because he's in trouble. It's going to be because he has the ability to extend the play, which is going to make that offense even more efficient. I think they looked at the free agency pool and went, I don't want to spend money on defense. We've got Chris Jones. We've got Tyron Mathieu. Yeah, sure. We lost Rashad Breland. We can address some specific things in the draft. The defense is going to be good enough. The defense is very top heavy. They have like a few dudes and then it. (laughs) Yeah, that's my question. Where do you see the four losses? Oh, let me go back and look. I'll look for this up while Mike gives his synopsis of uh, who he thinks the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be this year. Yeah, because Pittsburgh is going to suck. Now, he, ha- he has the Chiefs beating Pittsburgh. Yes. Um, did you have them beating the Cowboys? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Bills? You had the Bills beating the Chiefs. I got it up on screen here, too. I don't know if you saw Yeah, that. no, I was just re-looking at the schedule. See, and you're right, though, Nick. Honestly, like, Cleveland could steal week one if – the Chiefs lose week one and then go to Balt. Was it at Baltimore week two? Yeah. yeah. So they, if they lose week one to Cleveland, which they could, now you're sitting at 0 1. You have to go at Baltimore on Sunday night football. Like Lamar could steal game like that one. Yep. Now all of a sudden you're sitting at 0 2. You yep. have a divisional rival, Los Angeles, coming up next. Like this could go bad quickly. Yeah. Cause then I think, yeah, I, th- I was just looking at the opportunity. So Browns, Ravens, Bills, Packers. Okay. That was it. There's nobody else on the roster that can compete with the, what and they see, have. See, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Um, this is kind of like the football equivalent of the Warriors. Yeah. Like, they're so high-powered. You're just looking for spots where they might be able to lose. But if they – it's it's whether or not they get in their own way. Yeah. Right? I agree. Um, if they don't, if they don't trip themselves up, I'm going to say 14-3. and three. Yeah, this is going to be one of the best teams in football. Yep. Unless – I would say it, it all starts week one. If Cleveland could steal a game in Kansas City to start the year, Chiefs might be in trouble. Yeah. Like they if might be got... sitting at 11 and five with another AFC West team sitting, or 11 and six with another AFC West team sitting at 10 and seven. This and all of a sudden they're in danger of losing the division. This is a first place team playing a first, first place, place schedule, schedule. Yep. with the teams that were, that finished their in their divisions in first place last year, not being flukes. Right. So it's going to, they're good. There's an opportunity for it, to, for a stumble to happen. Thankfully, I trust enough in Andy Reid and the rest of the players in that locker room. But, well, and I mean, it's the same argument that you made about Josh Allen, right? Now we've only had, what, three years of this Chiefs team oh, yeah. on film? More and more. Like, it's just going to be easier and easier to stop as you move forward. Absolutely. I agree. So let us know, folks, what you think. Uh, we the, both have the Chiefs finishing. First in the AFC West. Yep. Who do we have? Who do you have finishing last in the AFC West? Would be the Las Vegas Raiders at okay. six and eleven. And I have the Broncos. Okay. So we will also post these on social media, folks. But comment into the show, uh, even post tense. We will make sure that we respond to any of your questions, comments, concerns, or complaints um, as far as what these records are going to be in the AFC West. Did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? Uh, does Mike need to have hair like the sloth behind me? We can figure all that out in the comments section. Now we can move on to the NFC West. We can kick it off with the Arizona Cardinals. Vegas, our fan duel has them as an eight-win team for the over-under. I've got them finishing five and 12. I think it's somewhere in between. Okay. Um, Good enough team to beat decent teams in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm still not sold on Kyler. I'm not either. He shows up some weeks and looks He's just not consistent, right? He almost looks disengaged some weeks, right? And I was looking at it. 
I think the Cardinals are very much trying to do what the Chiefs are doing, where they're just going to load up the offensive side of the ball and try to boat race everybody. But they still haven't figured out the running position, running back position. Um, not a huge fan of who they have sitting out there at tight end right now. So that takes away two weapons. A.J. Green is aging. DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best receivers in the league for sure. Larry Fitzgerald, who knows if he's coming back or what. You know, they've got Christian Kirk. So, okay, there's there's opportunities out there at wide receiver, but I don't think the offensive line is nearly good enough. Kyler Murray shows up disengaged. And if they lose Chandler Jones on the defensive side of that football in the same season where they're already losing the veteran leader in that locker room for the last, you know, half decade or more in Patrick Peterson, this does not go well. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is ready for the buzzsaw he's about to walk into this season. So I had to say, what were the cakewalk games that I know that they can for sure get? Jags, Texans, Panthers, Lions, Cowboys. Cowboys is a cakewalk game? I don't like the Cowboys. I think they are also going to be a terrible team this year. Dak can't get his arm right after his ankle. Good job, Jerry. You paid another injury-prone player. As much as I agree with pretty much everything you said, Arizona finds a way to steal some games like every year. Yeah, that's true. So if they win the cakewalk games, they steal two or three like they do every year, they're sitting at seven or eight wins. Okay. Fair enough. It's all going to be on Kyler. It's all going to be on Kyler. So if they make the playoffs, you might as well give him an MVP trophy. Yeah, I would agree with that. If the Cardinals make the playoffs... Kyler should win MVP. Or at least Offensive Player of the Year. Right. Yeah. So next we've got the Seattle Seahawks. I don't want to talk about them to you. No. Okay, we have to, though. Just say a record and we'll move on. 11-6. and 10-7. and seven. All right, cool. We can move on. All right. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams was some of the new pieces. Should we give some background of like why we hate the Seahawks <laughs> We're so Vikings much? fans. I can't stand snapped balls over the head of Russell Wilson for him to throw at 60 yards. I do not like... Uh, pretty much anything wide left anymore. Pete Carroll just rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, I didn't, like I used to be a huge Pete Carroll fan, and like him and Sean Payton can go in a rowboat and never come back. I'm moving on. Los Angeles Rams, ten and uh, over under is ten and a half. Lots of new pieces, and they're missing a running back now. I have them at ten and seven. Wins against the Bears, Colts. They'll beat the Cards twice. Giants, Lions, Texans, Jags. Vikings and Seahawks gave the Vikes a loss in our prediction as well, because we've got the cross country trip. Um, but that doesn't matter. It does matter. <laughs> Travel does matter. Tim, if you're watching, um, I'm going to have to agree with you right around the 10, seven, 11 and six mark. This is a good football team. Yeah. Not great. Though. Top heavy, top heavy. Um, not a lot of depth. If they suffer some injuries, they're in deep doo-doo, but they can contend with anybody in the league. Right, like yeah. they, they play the Chiefs, it's not a runaway. No, like the Rams can stay up there. Yeah, um, I'm really excited to see what Stafford can do. He's gonna have more than one receiver to throw to, I which is going very, to be very incredibly excited. interesting. And he's gonna have an offensive-minded guru. I think we see Matt Stafford in the playoffs. Career year, yeah, career year in yards and touchdowns, and probably limits the amount of interceptions he throws. Yeah, probably. So, um, it's either gonna be. Because of the cakewalk schedule that the Niners have, yeah, they got. I'm gonna say the schedule. Niners win the NFC West, but it is close, and it's between the Rams and the Niners. I think it's between between the Seahawks and the Niners because I got them both at 11 and six. I'm not talking about the Seahawks. I know. No, I just I'm not even acknowledging their existence. Rams or Niners? <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, so that's that's what you got. Last team would be the San Francisco 49ers, who. 
it's a quarterback battle without it being a quarterback battle. It is very much Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes in San Francisco, based on some of the reports that we've been seeing. Trey Lance is already coming to the line at camp and audibling protections. Um, I think he's going to be ready to go a lot sooner than people think. I don't think we see him this year because they're going to try to give Jimmy Garoppolo the opportunity to raise his trade value um, before they go ahead and move him or cut him or whatever the case may be. But I also worry a little bit about Jimmy's health and if Trey gets thrown in early. Can George Kittle stay healthy? Is Brandon Ayuk going to take a step? How good is Debo Samuel going to be with more tape on him? They did lose Matt Burita out of the backfield this last year. The offensive line isn't getting any younger. The defense hasn't necessarily gotten any better. It's just the same as it it's was. Gotten it's gotten healthier. 11-6 and six football team, um, but they're a first-place team playing a last-place schedule. So that's beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Lance during the regular season without a Garoppolo injury. Um, a Garoppolo trade. Or or a Garoppolo trade. Okay. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Garoppolo just gets benched for Lance. I mean, it wouldn't be the wise. I would not be surprised. Business-wise, would not be the smart idea. You got to give Jimmy the opportunity to play well enough at the trade deadline for you to be able to move him and then go out and recruit. So you're going to give him the opportunity. He's going to start week one. But if you're losing to the Lions late in the third quarter and Jimmy G is not performing, like... You've given Jimmy enough rope to hang himself with. And here's the thing. Even if Jimmy ends up on the bench, he doesn't get traded. It comes to the end of the year. They don't renew his contract. He will go somewhere and start. No, I agree. Like, I think Jimmy Garoppolo will be a starting quarterback in the NFL next year, pretty much barring a life-threatening injury. In Miami. Over Tua. Tua's not the guy. We'll get to that later. (laughs) Those are teasers for the next time you should check into the show, folks. Yep. Say, say, can I break in really quick because we missed something and I really want to hear Mike's take on this. It's something we talked pre-show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Zimmer's, uh, did you hear what Zimmer said about Bridgewater at uh, the press conference? I did not. Okay, here it is on screen. Or, yeah. Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer on how Teddy Bridgewater has improved since being in mini. He's always been a real steady kid that doesn't get flustered. He understands situational football really well. He's got a quick release. His movement in the pocket's even better. Uh, people are going nuts on Reddit because they're saying that this is a uh, subliminal at uh, at Cousins, who is not steady and who does not play situational football well. And does, does not, not have, have a quick pro- release or a good yeah. pocket presence. And a, and a Vikings beat writer kind of put this out, and he had a couple wink-wink kind of um, tweets after that and stuff like that. So, I mean, what's your take on that? Would he take Teddy back in a second? I would take Teddy back in a second. Over Kirk? Listen, I like Kirk. Kirk is a good quarterback. Kirk is also overpaid and underperforms consistently. So what's always bugged me about the Kirk Cousins deal, um, I was a Kirk Cousins fan in Washington. Like, if you know his story, being drafted behind RG3 in the same year, yeah, given kid, no I mean, credit whatsoever. He wasn't given credit at the draft. Off. He he won an SB for how well he played at Michigan. Right. You know what I mean? Worked like, his tail off to become the starter in Washington. Played extremely well in Washington. 4,000 plus yards. I think two out of his four seasons there. Mike Multiple does like that. Multiple um, franchise tags. Like, I like that. I like Kirk Cousins. However, what's always frustrated me about the Kirk Cousins deal was we paid him as he's a top five quarterback. And he's, he's a top 
maybe 12 quarterback. I would agree. And that's why, like, when it happened, I was on the side of let's re-sign Case Keenum for Same. a small amount of money and get all the and players around bolster him. him because he clearly can play well enough to get us to that. Mm -hmm. um, we needed a at the time that we made the deal, we needed a better offensive line. Um, and it would it would have left the Vikings open for the opportunity to go out and get a guy like Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Patrick Mahomes, and Mitchell Trubisky. Those guys were all a part of that same draft class from right. the year that we signed Kirk Cousins. Case Keenum would have been the safe option with the most amount of upside. So I think the fan base has realized that. The unfortunate truth as to why I think Zim can't just come out and say, yeah, I was. I wish we would have kept Teddy because the Kirk thing didn't work, is because Zim and Spielman were the ones that stood on the table and said we needed to figure out the quarterback position after the, the debacle that was Teddy Bradford Keenum. And what's unfortunate is Teddy Bridgewater, in some alternate reality out there, is an MVP candidate. Is the franchise quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings and right an, now. And, an M and I, I, and I think it. the only thing that is different between that reality and this reality is he doesn't injure his knee. Whatever, whatever blade of grass forgot if to he get cut. didn't hit, if he doesn't injure his knee in that camp, like let's not forget that year prior, he had a great efficient year as the Vikings Super. quarterback. And, ev and every word coming into camp that following year that he is, that he had figured out the one thing that he had left to work on, which was the consistency throwing the deep ball. Yep. And we had just gotten, I mean, Thielen was, Really breaking out at the time. Mm -hmm. like, and Diggs was what we got. So does this mean that Zimmer would take Teddy back now over Kirk? Good coin toss on that one. Not necessarily. But the fan base would. I think Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater. But Teddy Bridgewater's upside at the time that we had him on the roster was so high. And unfortunately, I think that injury made him from like an A potential quarterback to B minus. I agree. And I had it. So I had a follow up question to this for you. Because I see this as a potential scenario. The Vikings stumble out of the gates. It's bad. Worst case scenario. Elway rings and goes, hey, I need to figure out my quarterback position. Would you guys take Teddy and a pick back, maybe a player, for Kirk? Do you pull the trigger? You get Teddy. You'll it would, it, I think it would depend on why we're losing games. You, we all know why it would be. Hell yes. So you, you straight up are telling me Kirk Cousins is sucking through three weeks and we're 0-3 is basically what you're saying. No, I'm just saying, like, when I say stumble out of the gates, if you get through the first four games, right, you just look at the statistics. When you have mathematically by history eliminated yourself from playoff like contention. Like 1-3 and three after the first four? 1-3, and 1-4, whatever the case may be, and Elway rings because the Broncos' defense is playing better than it should. Jerry Judy seems to be a guy, but their quarterback position seems to be the issue. And you have the opportunity to offload his contract to bring back Teddy a pick that we may be able to flip into some form of Deshaun Watson trade or leverage for surrounding him with pieces. You, do you pull the trigger? I might. And I would be looking at Teddy as the veteran presence for Mond at that point in time. My point exactly, because he's on a two-year deal right now with Denver. You yeah. give him this year, next year. You let Kellen Mond sit this year. They compete for it with Teddy going into camp being your starter the first year. The second year, it's a wide-open quarterback battle. And if he doesn't make the team, you can release him, and he'll probably go get signed on a veteran minimum deal. Not to mention, from the business standpoint of things, the return of Teddy Bridgewater to Minnesota will continue to put butts in seats at U.S. Bank Stadium, regardless of, of if the team is relevant or not. I think you pull the trigger eight, eight times out of ten. Do you guys know why the Vikings would not be winning? 
because we would be unsteady and at not playing good situational football. At the quarterback position. And that would be, and by the way, a trade like that would be a great way for Mike Zimmer, who would be catching a lot of heat in that scenario, and Rick Smeal would that buy him another year? To buy them another year because they can say, listen, Teddy got hurt. I never got to do it with the quarterback that I wanted to. We were bootstrapped to Kirk Cousins because we were, we had a roster that was in a Super Bowl window. But now give me one more year to retry it with the guy that I drafted and that I believed in from day one. Let me say one one quick thing just uh, to Mike on this too is this is why we need Teddy. We need him now because we'd be the 2000 Ravens. It would yeah. galvanize the yep. locker room. He 100%. would drive the, you know, there's something to that. We're loaded enough talent. Just drive the offense. Don't, you know, get Don't everyone crash galvanized. The yes. Yes. Don't crash the car. Where'd the coin go? Do you have it? We have a thief in here. We have a thief. Gabe came in Pull here and stole it. Oh. Is that what you're going to pay Buxton with? Did we actually lose the game? I have no idea where it went. Oh, well. Oh, that's funny. You guys are the only two in the room, so. <laughs> Literally been the only. I was sitting right here. It's, it's all here. good. It's all good. So let us know. Would you guys take Teddy Bridgewater back? Would you guys, how do you think he's going to be the starter in Denver? And prior to that, what did you guys think about the way that we went through the NFC West? Who's going to come out on top? Who's going to come out on the bottom? And is Jimmy Garoppolo going to be the starter through the trade deadline for San Francisco? This is going, oh, zero. Here we go. Tevin Pittman comments in. Zero chance we trade Kirk. Zim's coaching for his job. It's more likely uh, more likely Mond starts than we will bring in a QB that doesn't know the system. Kubiak's son hasn't been around for all that long, so I, I guess mean, that I, is true. I, I agree with Tevin. Just the realistic part of us, tr like trading would, a quarterback midseason, that would be the best way to make very good rare. out of a bad situation. I'm not saying it's what I'm hoping for, but if it becomes that, then if that, then this type scenario. That's like a Madden move, though, more than a real life. We'll yeah, see. but it's more fun. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And I would like the Vikings. It's more. just not. It's just not super realistic. So yeah. All right. Speaking of realistic. Yeah, let's go through the uh, glass half topic of the day. There is turmoil in New Orleans with what I consider to be the most overrated receiver in the NFL. Hey, he is the best slant route runner ever. <laughs> Mike, I could catch 80 balls in the NFL running just a slant route. Can you catch 107? 149. So Michael Thomas is on the outs with the entirety of the Saints organization um, because rumor has it in week one in garbage time last year, uh, messed up his ankle real bad when they just could have had him out of the game protecting the clock. They coaxed him back into playing. Um, knowing that it was going to be Drew Brees' last season. And I think because they knew they were also going to not be able to afford to lose another weapon because Drew, two seasons previous, both times, was just going to miss five weeks. It's going to help his shoulder at playoff time, right? So whatever the injury was, it's going to be five weeks. We got a good backup quarterback for that reason. They coax him back into playing. Season ends. He gets a second opinion. They say, no, 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 no. You absolutely should have gotten surgery. And now... He wants to do it on his time because they made him play on theirs. So let's go over who the glass is half full for and who the glass is half, half empty for on Michael Thomas being on the outs with the New Orleans Saints. I think the glass is half empty for the Saints. Okay, why? Because this was a team three years ago okay. that was absolutely loaded with star-studded talent. and Cat purgatory. They were deep. They had great depth. And now... Not so much. The cupboard is bare. 
Drabriz is gone. Mm -hmm. You don't have anybody to throw to with Michael Thomas on the outs. I don't think um, you had anybody to throw to with Michael Thomas there, but continue. I mean, he did have 140-whatever receptions, but he's not a top-five receiver. <laughs> but, like, if the if you heard tomorrow, if you woke up to news that the Vikings were acquiring Michael Thomas. Blow it all up. He's a locker room cancer. Really? I hate him. Okay. You know who I think the glass is most half full for if you're done? Go ahead. The New Orleans Saints. What? Listen to this. Michael Thomas. They're going to be a worse team this year without him. Michael Thomas is the target version of Marcus Colston. I'm sorry. A big body receiver that looks great with Drew Brees throwing him the football. But he's no different than any other Saints. Name another Saints receiver outside of Joe Horn out that started there and went to another franchise and was successful. I'll wait. Sorry, I don't know my Saints receiver history. You can't say it was Dante Stallworth. Marquise Colston never got off the ground after he left. Even guys like Jimmy Graham leave that system and they look yeah, like Jimmy garbage. This is glass half full for the Saints. Because guess what? No, If anybody in the NFL is paying attention right now, they need to go, yeah, no Saints receiver, ball catcher, has ever proven themselves outside of this system. There's no way I'm going to... Your trade value drops immediately. You can't, and especially with a bum ankle now, what are you going to get in return for him? Not enough for what you think he's worth if you if he stays in the system. So guess what? He hamstrung himself into playing. If he wanted, he should have sat out and said, no, I'm getting the surgery. Regardless, you are a human who is capable of making your own decisions. So you should have made the one that you wanted to make and gotten the surgery if that's what's rubbing you the wrong way. It doesn't matter if they tried I to mean, coax you into you, playing or not. It's like the whole Pippen argument. Right? Like, I Pippen mean, took the whole offseason, enjoyed it, and then got, got surgery as the season started. And look how P and Pippen took heat for it. He did. But he also went on to a different franchise and had success. And I highly doubt that that is going to be the same case for a guy now with a... He played an entire season on a bum ankle and now has to get surgery and then do the rehab process and then prove that I he's going to be Michael healthy Tom again. I think if Michael Thomas finds the right fit... And that's the biggest thing is like Jimmy Graham in Seattle was not a great fit. Jimmy Graham anywhere outside. That was a power is not team. A great fit. Like he's a vertical threat tight end. And he, the two teams that come to mind that he's played at since New Orleans is Chicago, mm -hmm. which is a power run downhill team. Okay. And Seattle. Green Again, Bay. Green Bay. And he couldn't make it work in Green Bay. Green Bay is not necessarily a vertical threat team though. They're. I don't know how to describe Green Bay. They're like a pistol offense. It's goofy as hell. But I my hate, point is, I like, he's offense. he's he's been in situations where he's supposed to be the guy and look like the one that he was supposed to look like in New Orleans. Same thing with all the other guys that you have seen leave New Orleans that are pass catchers. Like, yeah, they're going to have moments where they look like above average talents. See, he I will think not he ever catch find, The The tough thing is, is like, that, that offense of the wide open, fast receivers, Peyton Manning... Drew Brees, yep. like th those offenses are kind of going the way of the dodo, yeah, right now, and that's the style of receiver that he is. So if he is going to have success, he needs to find a team that he fits into. Yeah, I just I and don't know. I if don't he, know the numbers and the contract and stuff, but like, put well, him he on, just put, got put him a, on the Chiefs. He just got a big deal. Put him on the like Chiefs last year. You tell me he doesn't have success. I mean, but is that his success? Or is it 
Patrick Mahomes, the offensive line, the fact that he's being uncovered by Tyreek. Okay, Hill. is he is he better than D.D. Westbrook? Remains to be seen. Really? Remains really? to be seen. Wow. I disagree. I'm sorry. I, I have the same. We were talking about this pre-show, right? And we've talked about it on this show. Every organization has a thing they do really well. Every organization has something that they don't. Timberwolves can't draft point guards. Packers are always going to get it right at QB, right? You can always tell me that the Steelers are going to have great wide receivers that are good in the Steelers organization, and then they're going to disappear when they go to the Jets or whatever team follows them. You can say the same thing about the Saints wide receivers, man, and their running backs. I'm doing the slow pack right now to get out of here because I don't want to yell at you. I'm sorry. Michael Thomas. You, you just said Michael Thomas isn't better than D.D. Westbrook. Michael Thomas will never catch another 100-pass season in the NFL. I mean, I'd agree with that. Then you can't that. pay him the money you're paying him. They're paying him like a Marvin Harrison. I mean, you paid him like a Marvin Harrison because you had a Peyton Manning. They don't have a Peyton Manning anymore. Is that Marvin Harrison's fault? Reggie Wayne seemed to make it work. So did Pierre Garçon. <laughs> that was the Hall of Fame quarterback that you had elevated in their play. I got you. No, I know that. All right, folks. Let me know what you think. Is, is uh, Michael Thomas going to play in... Uh, and another game in a Saints uniform. Do you think he'll ever crack the hundred catch mark? Do you again? think Dee Dee Westbrook is better than Michael Thomas? Yes, we do. Um, oh let us know what God. you guys think. We appreciate you all for joining us. It has been a fantastic show. Big shout out to Gabe and Tevin for all the help. As I'm disappointed always. In you today, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. Make sure you tune in to the uh, Redskins Patriots preseason game tonight. If you're looking to watch a little bit of football, Mac Jones and Cam the who. Moon. Oh, wow. The Washington football team. Thank you. Cancel me on social media. I apologize. Um, but that game is going to be going on tonight. Obviously, you're going to get to see a little Fitzmagic. You're going to get to see a little Taylor Heineke. You're going to get to see Mac Jones and Cam Newton. Cam Newton has been looking great in camp. Except for the days where he throws seven picks. He's been looking really good. So we'll see because he says he is he back. Looked, he looked. I saw him in Florida in the spring. He looked great. I'm about it. So, so uh, we will cover all things football and sports related next week with you guys. Thursday live at 11 on what platforms, Mike? Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Spotify, YouTube. YouTube. And if you missed us today, please go ahead and tune into MCN6 on Saturdays at 1 p.m. Absolutely. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will catch you next week. Yes. Our relationship. To NBC.